Welcome to We the People, a podcast giving a Christian perspective on news, politics, hot topics, and so much more. Hosted by Rodney Nesmith, worship pastor at New Life Fellowship in Lovelock, Nevada. This week, Rodney is joined by Christian Watson, a political commentator and the host of Pensive Politics Podcast. This week, they're talking about woke culture and how to combat it. The latest episode of We the People will start right after this quick commercial break. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy, because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Everybody, this is your host of the We the People podcast, Rodney, coming at you live tonight. Got a great guest for you. His name is Christian Watson. He is a political commentator. He is the host of Pensive Politics podcast, and he also has the Christian Watson channel on YouTube. Christian, good to have you with us tonight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Now you were going to just jump right in here to this woke culture stuff. So uh, tell me where we're at with this mess. It is a mess, isn't it? You know, what happened yes. at the White House, the topless woman, the name of acceptance and benevolence, you know, going topless in front of the people's house. You have family-friendly drag shows that are everything but, where there are children being exposed to all kinds of depravity and nonsense. In fact, you have the idea of a transgender child being a legitimate category and being affirmed by not almost, almost every major medical institution, almost mm-hmm. every major medical academic institution in the president of the United States. This is more than just a cultural threat. It's a socio-political threat that has bled into almost every single institution that America has. And Mm -hmm. I really wish that it had remained in the culture so that we could fight it on the cultural level. But the fact that there is this sick perversion between politics and culture that has accrued over the past few decades after the progressive era expanded the government deeper deeper into the society uh, means that we have to fight it in a way that is not going to be as simple or as easy. But I believe that we can mm-hmm. do it. We can do it by returning, and I always say this in my show, returning to philosophy, by returning to our use of our reason as human beings, by returning to the principles the founders used to establish our great republic, and also by confronting these issues head on and not abiding by the sensibilities and sensitivities of people, and instead speaking the truth unapologetically where, where we may see it. I, man, I couldn't agree more. Uh, what, uh, what I saw happening at the White House the other day disgusted me. I mean, it mm-hmm. just absolutely disgusted me. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the public at large is speaking uh, with their wallets in a lot of this woke agenda as far as Bud mm-hmm. Light, Target, and now you've got North Face and other companies doing the thing, same thing. And um, for some reason, they're not getting the clue from what happened to Bud Light and Target. And I, so, I mean, talk about po- being deaf to your, you know, potential customers. That is deafness right there. Of course. Not only is it deafness, I think that it's willful ignorance. So look, the, here's the fact. Yeah. 
a segment of the American market does not like being proselytized through non-political areas of life. Target is a retail store. They sell you things. They sell you fancy things, sometimes overpriced things more often than not. I don't even go to Target in general because it's so overpriced. It makes no sense. (laughs) But they sell you things. They're Mm -hmm. not supposed to sell you politics and sell you values. And, And it's different. If you wanted to have an internal company memo that says, hey, as CEO or as board, here's where we stand, but you can all have your own opinions. That is fundamentally mm-hmm. different than putting stuff on the shelves for kids that endorses behavior that they shouldn't know about as children. So right. there is a segment of the market that is absolutely against it. And I think that it's very inspiring because it shows mm-hmm. that there is a corrective. There is a public corrective towards the insanity we're seeing. But we have to keep it going. We have to see boycotts are like short bursts of energy that can sometimes fizzle out over time. We right. have to create a cultural foundation for resistance mm-hmm. to intellectual tyranny. we And yep. this is why I constantly call for a revolution of the mind on my show. I call for people to learn more, to cultivate certain habits that will help them learn more, to engage in debate more, people they don't agree with, things like that. Because if we have a cultural foundation to fight this menace, we'll be like a, a army, which has a established base of operations in a trench, as opposed to an army that's wandering from battle to battle with no area to recoup and rejuvenate. That's how mm-hmm. we are right now on the right. We're an army wandering with no base, no nowhere to recuperate, nowhere to rest, and we're fighting battle after battle after battle, when in all reality, the war still rages on in areas that we can't even reach because we're so focused on one thing or that thing. We have to take a more holistic mindset, holistic viewpoint, excuse me, and we can start mm-hmm. doing that by building that moral foundation in the culture. Yeah, I, I, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, it seems like, for whatever reason, and there's, I'm sure there's multiple reasons, um, the morality in general in our country has, in the past 20 years, 15, 10, 15, 20 years, has just gone down the drain. It's like nobody has, seems like nobody has a moral compass anymore. Everything's fair game, no matter how depraved it may be or you know whatever and it's you know case in point they're trying to normalize pedophilia as a you know as a as a sexual attraction instead of a you know a disease or a sickness and it's like are you kidding me right now that is just off the charts crazy to me Mm -hmm. absolutely yes and so we should all understand that again having this cultural foundation would help us be able to fight these issues in a more um, a, a more tangible way, because mm-hmm. most people, even a lot of people on the left who are not totally obsessed and bought in with gender ideology, like mm-hmm. mo- there are people on the left like RFK Jr. who are not bought into all that kind of stuff. Right. Most people don't want their kids to be exposed to sexual behavior at age 12. Most people right. don't want their kids to be transitioned at age 13. Most people don't condone or agree with pedophilia. But almost mm-hmm. everybody who agrees with those things I just mentioned and wants them is influenced by an academic theory, whether yeah. that be queer theory, whether that be some kind of mm-hmm. conflict theory, which phrases and shapes their moral understanding. And mm-hmm. in this way, I see the academy has been a bomb unleashed against the American public, a, 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 a slowly ticking bomb. It didn't go off at first, but it went off 
once the seeds that the professors put in the heads of the new generation sprouted and germinated, that's when the bomb went off. And we're now seeing this. We're like, oh, my gosh, where'd this come from? It came from right. years of conditioning from the academy. Mm -hmm. William F. Yep. Buckley tried to warn us with God and man at Yale. He tried to warn us. He said that this idea of academic freedom has been used to push ideas that – uh, are intolerant towards the deeply held beliefs of students. There are plenty of people in the 60s and 70s that tried to warn us that the universities had been captured and they were being used in a destructive way. Many of us didn't listen, or if we did listen, we didn't do enough to stop it. So now we're Correct. seeing the fruits of all of this, and, and really we have to try to reclaim the minds of the gener next generation, of this generation, from the universities. So we can do this through a few, through, through a few ways. Number one, Stop telling people to go to college. College, Amen, in my brother. opinion. Yeah, no, seriously. Unless you're going to go be a doctor or a lawyer, the classic examples, which most people are not going to go be that. Most people don't want to do that. Most people are actually mm -hmm. going into like some kind of trade school, wanting to be like a mechanic or a welder or whatever. That's increasingly popular as days go on. Unless you're going to yes. be a doctor or a lawyer, you do not need university. And even then, I think that we should aspire to create alternatives to university for aspiring doctors and lawyers. Some kind of yeah. trade school that would just teach you law or just teach you medicine and right out of high school. And you can go through yeah. X amount of years. We need to aspire to create that because university is a racket, a government subsidized racket in terms of public and private universities that mm -hmm. gets money from the Department of Education and then uses that money to inflate prices for student textbooks, inflate prices yep. for student tuition to an enormous extent, so much so that not only do universities get rich, the government gets rich because they have people on the dole for 40 plus years paying off their student loans, and they'll never pay it off until they die. So who gets yep. rich? The universities and the government. Who gets poor? The people who are sold this lie. You have to go ahead and get university education to be valuable in the culture. No, you have to go ahead and stick your neck out there, find out what you're good at, and then cultivate skill in that particular subject if you want to have value in this culture. You have to know your value before others can see your value. But university goes completely against that. People mm -hmm. think that it's impressive if you go to Harvard or Princeton or Yale, but they're less impressed if at age 18 or age 19 you built your own small business and you didn't go to college. They're less impressed at that. We need to be more impressed at the 18-year-old that builds his own business. Yeah mowing lawns, doing yep. selling something, actually creating stability who has no college debt than the, mm -hmm. the lawyer in his 50s who hates his life because lawyers typically hate their life. It's, it's high suicide rates and depression rates in that, mm -hmm. in that field and, and who can barely pay off his debt despite making over six figures. We need to be more impressed at the kid who was a self-starter and who was moved to greatness as opposed to someone who thinks that greatness exists on the face of a diploma. Yeah, I agree. And I am a huge proponent of trade schools instead of college, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. we're always going to need plumbers. We're always going to need mm -hmm. carpenters. We're always going to need mechanics. We always are going to need these people mm -hmm. to work on our cars, work on our houses, all of those things. And yet yeah. mm -hmm. they don't push those because they want you to go to college and accrue a huge mm -hmm. amount of debt and then be beholden like to the college, to the government for the rest of your born days. Yes. And it, it's insanity to me. And I agree, we should be far more impressed with an 18-year-old that can start their own business and make a difference for him and maybe his family in the future with, with, mm -hmm. his, with his intellectual ability to mm -hmm. do that business. I'm far more impressed with that than a college, somebody that went to college. 
you know, whenever I get a chance to speak to people, uh, speak to young people who aren't in college yet, and as my speeches, I always say this, I, I, and I'm going to start saying it more. I don't encourage you to go to college. I don't care what your parents say. I don't care what your school counselors say. I don't encourage you to go to college because your college education is not what makes you great. Your ability right. to work hard and identify what you like to do in this world, that was what's going to make you great and will allow you to contribute to this world and, in your, and enrich your own personal life. Mm-hmm. That kind of counter-programming and counter-messaging is going to be essential if we want to actually break the bind that the universities have over the minds of people in America over the next generation. But the problem is the universities, they are a multi-billion dollar industry. The education is a multi-billion yes. industry. And they have a lot of resources, a lot of reach, and they put millions of millions of dollars into advertising, both on a personal level where they have their counselors go out and talk to high school students, and on a general level where they do it on TV. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's very difficult to beat a multi-billion dollar in, in, industry. It's even more difficult to beat one that's funded by the government because the yeah. government and them are in cahoots. So we yes. have to find out a way to engage in counter-programming, counter-messaging, that will actually allow us to subvert the power that universities have over our kids. Yeah, absolutely. And what, in your opinion, what is the starting point for that? It's obviously college. We need to be able to switch that message somehow. Yes. But how do we go about doing that? I think that you have to, so I think that imagination is the realm of achievement. It's, it's, it's the doorway mm-hmm. to achievement. If a kid or a young person can imagine something, they can go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. But imagination can also be shaped by the seeds that are planted in the mind at an early age. If you have right. been, if you have been presented with this idea, that the happy life, the good life is a life that you go through high school and you go to college you take a four-year degree, then you go to grad school, then you do that, then you can go out and do a job. If that's the, the vision you've been presented, that's the vision you're going to know. Mm-hmm. I would encourage parents who are raising small kids, don't do that to your child. Don't present that vision to them. Have a more neutral way of messaging. Emphasize the virtue of hard work and self-reliance. And then once the child becomes a certain age where the topic of college may come up, have a conversation, but don't say like many parents do, oh, you're going to college. I'm going to start a college once you can go to college and get your degree. Because when you put that seed in their mind at a young age, it's hard for them to expand beyond that in their own thinking. This has to really happen on the micro level at first. Mm-hmm. Um, we can also start, in my opinion, by chipping away at government expenditure for education. One of the reasons why so many college students are in debt is because co- college is artificially inflate the value of their resources because they're able to, as the student loan system subsidizes them. So mm-hmm. we have to look at that. We have to say, okay, the student loan system here is, is predatory and it's allowing colleges to get rich off of people's misery. Should we change it? Should we restrict the amount of loans that can come into the system? Should we get rid of student loans altogether? If we got rid of student loans tomorrow, there'd be a lot of screaming, a lot of complaining, but colleges would be forced to immediately lower their prices and to cut costs immediately. Huge. Yeah, huge. I don't think that you would have gender studies classes anymore. They wouldn't be as prevalent. Because no, how do you I justify it from an economics point of view? You can't justify it. I don't care what a counselor says. You cannot justify that from an economic point of view. There's just no way you can. So I think mm-hmm. that, and this is radical, we have to get rid of federal student loans. We well, have to Sometimes radical is the way you got to go. Yeah, we have to do that. That's the only, That's the way I see the university industry falling to its knees and saying, okay, all the stuff we produced for the past few decades, the critical race theory, gender theory, queer theory, 
all this stuff and people have had impunity. They've been protected by, by, by tenure and by healthy yep. salaries from being subject to any correction. All that stuff is not going to allow us to stand in the face of the market now because the government used to fund us for all these years. But now the market, we are subject to the market now. That's how we really get them to change. And then this won't be an instant change, but the next generation probably won't have the same kind of ideological doctrines put upon them that Gen Z mm -hmm. did. That's right. how he went. Yeah, I think that's a man. If that could happen, that'd be amazing. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah. The, the colleges and universities would have to drop their prices dramatically and extremely quick. Yes, of course, because they want to stay in business. They want to keep making money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they say it's nonprofit. No, those colleges are making a lot of money on you. Those, especially <laughs> yes, those nonprofit ones, <laughs> they're making a lot of money on you. Yes, they and and they have big donors that give a lot of money too. So yeah, you yeah. Can't tell and, me they're not a money making enterprise. And that's that's the other thing. The the trustees that give these universities money and the people alumni that come there, a lot of these trustees just generally are quite conservative, um, especially mm -hmm. depending on which institution that you go to. A lot of institutions in the South, a lot of the alumni graduated in the 80s, they're pretty conservative. And yet, all this craziness happens at these universities. I think that it's high time that people in these universities go to the alumni, show them what's going on if they don't know already, and then, mm -hmm. by way of doing that, force a change that way. So um, UNC, for example, their board of trustees, which is incredibly conservative, just put you know the brakes on a social justice program that they were trying to force their medical school to undergo. And they said, no, you cannot use DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, in your hiring and anything. You cannot do that. And so now UNC can't really enforce their DEI policies. They can't really do unconscious bias trainings anymore. They can't really do diversity trainings anymore. That was stopped by one decision from the board of trustees. What? Imagine what can happen if that same kind of activism and that same kind of action happened across the nation. You could stop a lot yeah. of this stuff that didn't detract. Sure, oh, yeah. people and believe it still. Really quick. But yeah, but still the institution would be would not be empowered to enforce it. Because the problem with colleges is that the institutions have been empowered to enforce so much nonsense on their students, whether it be safe spaces, whether it be banning certain speakers, whether it be refusing to stop students from attacking speakers that are controversial, whatever. The university needs to be taken away from the ability to enforce this kind of stuff upon people. Right. It's supposed to be in original about ideas and about learning and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, all those kinds of things. But now it's become indoctrination. You know, mm -hmm. you get uh, you get a certain theory or viewpoint of the world pounded into you day after day after day after day, mm -hmm. whether you like that or not. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so th th there are incentives to do that, too. So we have to take away the incentive structure for universities to go ahead and tyrannize their students intellectually. And so the student loan system going away is part of that. I think that resisting, um, resisting, uh, resistance from the trustees and the donors is part of that as well. But mm -hmm. really this is going to be a long term process. You don't fix, you know, 50 years of damage in 10 years yeah. or one year. Yeah. This has been happening since before the sixties. The sixties is when it really got started getting hot, but you go back to the late 1800s, early 1910s, that's when progressivism really sunk its tendrils into America and began strangling life out of her. It's been happening for over 100 years now. It's going to take yes. probably as much time to reverse the damage. Yeah. And it's, but 
we've got to start. That's the kicker. We yes. have to start somewhere because mm -hmm. if you don't start, you're never going to get anywhere. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, like the donors would be a huge thing for the donors to get in there and say, hey, you know what? We're not going to do this anymore. We're a college. We're supposed to be a place of higher learning, not indoctrination. Yeah. So all this stuff yes. needs to go away. If yes. you want me to keep helping fund this place, these things yes. need to go away and stay gone. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That'd be a brilliant way to do it. That would be a brilliant way to do it and start. Um, yeah. Another way to do it would be for parents, again, to make parents make a fuss about um, what's happening at public schools, which is great and wonderful. But public mm -hmm. colleges are subject to the same kind of rules that public high schools are just in a different way. They're still funded by taxpayer money. They still have to abide mm -hmm. by free speech protections. So I think parents should make more of a big deal, even though, of course, the kids are grown or grown and they're adults. I think parents should make more of a big deal about these colleges. Um, yeah, and especially parents who fund their kids' education, they should especially make a big deal about it because it's their money. That happens Absolutely. a lot. A lot of parents send their kids to college. The parents have the ability to stop to, to affect this as well, um, especially these legacy admissions. You know, your parents went to this school. Your grandmother went to this school. Right. So you can go right. Again, that legacy chain can easily sway things at the institution. That's why they have such a – a, a, uh, a, a coveted status. Mm -hmm. So again, there's so many different ways you can change this, but ultimately all of them are going to require a having the correct moral foundation and B having the know-how to implement that on a societal level. And I think that people have that, but people need to rally around one message right now, have a stable basis of operations, as I mentioned before, and then stick to mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I agree. Because if you have a lot of, a lot of fires, going around then you can't focus on the main thing you know yes, what i'm saying make absolutely. you got to make the main thing the main thing so to mm -hmm. speak you know get a main a main focus stay on that focus and you know accomplish that goal whatever that goal mm -hmm. may be and in this I case guess. it would be to get the indoctrination out of our schools and i mean grade school high school college all of it and, uh, and for parents really to step up and take a huge leadership role in this and stand up and go, hmm, enough's enough. We've had enough of this and we're not putting up with it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And at that, the moment that happens, we saw what happened in high schools. We saw what happened all across the nation when critical race theory is being challenged by parents. We saw what mm -hmm. happened in Virginia, Bottom County. We saw what happened. There was a, a wave of dissent that put a lot of this stuff, it froze it. It stopped it right yeah. in its tracks. And where it hasn't, there is active resistance, which is why Monster Liberty is a great organization. They constantly find out all these little things that are happening in schools, inappropriate books, and they intervene and say, this is not good. It causes the media to look at it, and it causes the schools to go into a frenzy. That kind of public corrective is needed for education yeah. to be treated properly in America. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You have to... You know, you have to be, sometimes you have to be loud about your dissent. You know, sometimes like, well, the old saying is the squeaky wheel gets the grease, you know. So, mm -hmm. so we, you know, you got to be loud, you got to be squeaky, and you got to make, you got to make some noise sometimes and mm -hmm. uh, to get your message across and to be heard. And then, like you said, the schools kind of go into a frenzy because, oh, no, they're speaking up. We don't know what to do, you know, and that kind of thing. And things can change that way. Absolutely, it can. It can. And so... People need to exercise the social power more. People think the government will help us. They won't. Government no. is actually one of the biggest drivers of this issue. The government will not do anything but but continue to antagonize and be corrupt because the government is not the government. The government is 
these executive agencies that are unelected. And so that's, that's the government mm-hmm. at this moment because Congress is hand over head over heels toward them and, and march with them and lockstep generally. So there's no there's no oversight with a few exceptions right. of what's happened recently with like Chuck Grassley exposing the Biden bribes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those, those are rare instances of, from an institution that has gone along with the administrative state for so many years. So we have yeah. to trust ourselves for this solution. We cannot trust the government to help us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had a guest on last week and I said, this has got to come back to we, the people, we, the people mm-hmm. have to make the changes. Um, we're the ones that, mm-hmm. you know, this country was founded on. It wasn't founded because of a president or whatever. It's us that has the voice. We need to use it and we need to take mm-hmm. advantage of our position as the people. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And so, and really, here's the problem. Americans today don't have the same moral fortitude that the founding generation did. And I don't just mean the founding fathers. I mean the, all the people and all the events that happened after our founding. The Whiskey Rebellion, for example. Americans back then found it offensive to be taxed on something as simple as whiskey. Mm-hmm. Not, only they find it, not only did they find it offensive, they refused to pay the tax. And they embarrassed the tax collector in front of everybody, publicly shamed him. And when Washington came with all of his horses and all of his men, to eastern pennsylvania to force the people to pay the tax they peacefully said we will not pay it and then two administrations later with jefferson because no one was paying the tax the whiskey tax got repealed the americans of the fine generation had a very potent sense of moral fortitude which allowed them to fight even the small and petty tyrannies of their day americans today are too distracted by social media by TV, by their phones, yeah. and by their comfort, by consumerism, so much so that it dulls their moral senses and allows them to be more susceptible to tyranny. I, 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 I dread to think what happens to America if it goes another 100 years like this. I'm not sure that it can, because we've gotten to a point where so much has slipped under the cracks, under the sights of the American people. It has infected mm-hmm. our institutions to the extent that we may, may not have a country if we don't begin exercising more moral corrective in the future. I agree. And, uh, you know, again, goes back to the bottom line. The P- if we, as the people of this nation, don't stand up, speak up and say, hey, we're not playing this way anymore. This this is ja- this is messed up and we've got to change it um, until we get fed up. Nothing's going to change. You've got to get a, you've got to get a groundswell of you know, of people that are fed up and say, look, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. We're not doing. Yeah. It. Yeah. Get up, get, get fed up and get fed up righteously too. Cause it's yeah. one thing to be angry. You can be angry all day long. Oh, yeah. If you don't have a substantive way to exercise that anger, then you'll go nowhere. Mm-hmm. So you have to exercise your anger in a manner that's going to actually produce the result that you want. And that part of my job as a commentator is to get people the tools uh, to do that in an uncommon way, which is why I say that philosophy, which is an intimidating word to some people, but philosophy mm-hmm. is going to be what saves this nation. Our founders studied people like Aristotle and Descartes and John Locke, all these people. Our mm-hmm. founders understood these arguments. They understood very deep things that then influenced their views of society and then political order. I'm not saying everyone has to become an academic philosopher. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we have to exercise our minds like we exercise our muscles and expand and strengthen it. And one way to do that is by going back to some of these basic ideas 
and reading the people who have who came up with these basic ideas or who had contributed to them and then making our own spin on it for our modern era. It's what I try to do in my show. So my, my goal is to cause a revolution of the mind, as I call, call all the time, because this mm-hmm. is a battle that will not be fought through physical force and brute strength alone. This is a Correct. battle that will be fought and will be won in the intellectual realm. And I think that we can do it. We just have to, we'll have to be a little bit more careful about our habits. Um, clickbait rules the day. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of things right now in our political conversation that are dulling our minds are very popular. We have to be careful about that. and We have to exercise more discretion in the future. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, it's We clutter our mind with so much mindless drivel, <laughs> for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. I mean, you know, like our social media stuff and things along that line. We just kind of look at this stuff and check out mentally. You know, we're not we're mm-hmm. not engaged in anything unless we're arguing with somebody on Twitter or something ridiculous about something stupid. But, um, you know, it's we're not we're not get, we're not reading books. We're not engaging our mind in the things that really matter. We're, you know, like I said, distracted with, like you said, clickbait. Yeah, clickbait and uh, lower lower passions and a bunch of things. I can go into a big rant about it, but it, it, it's really a, a pervasive cultural threat, and it's really not anything unique to us. We we have a different we have our own twenty first century form of it, but it's a pervasive cultural threat, and that cultural threat has to be confronted for what it is. Yeah, you're absolutely right, absolutely right, and uh, you know people like you give people like me ideas. So that's a good thing that gives us ways to I'm happy. You know, I'm, I'm inspired. Yeah. Some people, I mean, you've got to give people some ammunition. You've got to give them some, some people, you know, can't think outside the box sometimes. Yeah. So absolutely. when they hear somebody that does and they can give, say, Hey, here's a way we can do this, or here's a way to start doing moving in this direction. People go, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I can do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, yeah. my, my goal is simply, I want to assist. I want to assist as much as I can. You know, I, I, I want to make sure I can help build people up so they can go out and fight this war. But I'm going to be fighting as well. I'm not just someone who says in the sidelines. So I'm fighting as well. I'm fighting every day. Um, mm-hmm. But we fight in a manner that is unlike our enemies because our enemy, the left's way of fighting, is not a way that's honorable or virtuous. It right. is guttural. It is nasty. It is brutish. It is bad. It does not create a longstanding society. We have to not use the tools the left are using. People say they want to do that. That's not what you do. You do the mm-hmm. you see what your enemy does, you do the exact opposite of that. Because more often than not, the exact opposite of what your enemy does will be the correct way. Correct. And it will be something that's foreign to the to the enemy. Because mm-hmm. that's not the way they operate. There's both strategic and moral value to that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, Christian, man, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. You got a, you put a lot of stuff out there, a lot of ideas that I hope people will grab onto and use to uh, try to right this ship. Um, so I want to thank you for your time, for your comments, for your, your insight into these things. And uh, man, I hope people will, will share this and get this message out because I think it's very important. Thank you. And I appreciate your kindness and your hospitality. I'll come back with it. Sounds good, man. All right. That's all we've got for you tonight from We the People. This is Rodney signing off from Christian Watson. We want to thank him again. And uh, God bless you all. God bless America. Have a great night.